It's great to see you here tonight at Stratford Heights. I want to start out tonight with a wonderful praise report. This past week, um, 
from Celebrate Recovery, they started a small support group, 16 people out at the Lebanon Correctional Institute, a small group of people. They met for the first time this Tuesday, and five of those people in the group got saved. It's awesome. So we, we have a group, a ministry that's going on at Lebanon Correctional. What a wonderful thing. Also, for the young people tonight, for the Oasis, if you are, if you are connected, if you're in the audience, junior high, senior high, college, tonight the Oasis is getting together for Yak and Snack right after the service. If you want more details, please see Cap, Pastor Cam, and he will help you out with that. With that being said... We're happy, we're excited, we're glad you're here tonight. We're going to get out in the aisles. We're going to welcome each other into the house of God.
for just a moment tonight and recognize that tonight. I know we've been singing that, but there comes a time too where our heart needs to recognize that, submit and surrender to His holiness, His presence, His power tonight. God, we thank You and we praise You, God, for Your strength, Your mercy, Lord Jesus. Thank You for these men and women of God leading us into Your presence. God, hearing words, God, that we need to be reminded of, God. We need to be reminded of, God, that you're worthy, Lord. You're holy, Lord Jesus. And we lift you up. We magnify you tonight in Jesus' name. God, our hearts with every ounce of who we are, Lord Jesus, tonight. In your precious name, in your precious name, amen. Amen. You can be seated really quickly if you can. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and take up the offering. I wanted to read a scripture before we pray tonight for requests. Obviously, we've been praying and praising. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 is obviously a, a charge from the Apostle Paul to his mentee, to his protege, so to speak, his son in the faith. He says, Timothy, my son, he said, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, the words spoken over you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. I don't know if you watch the news very much. What station you watch the news on doesn't really matter. But I've been captured with an image all week, and I downloaded it actually today. I went and found it, Googled it, and found it. I, I don't know if you've noticed what's going on in the country of Iraq right now. I'm not really a political kind of guy, so I'm not really going into that avenue of things. But what the image that's been stuck in my mind all week was that when we... 
we went over there and trained them and did what we could. And we, I know we were a temporary occupant. You do what you could to train and strengthen and, and equip. But as soon as we vacated, not too long after we vacated, they had to fight a war for themselves. They had to stand up and be committed to something, be proud of something, love something, and fight. But we see now, and I'm not against the people, this is a spiritual point that I'm going to make here as we pray. We see that when the bombs begin to fly and the bullets begin to fly, and that protection was out of the way, those mentors were out of the way, and they had to fight for themselves. I saw an image this, this week on the news that showed that many of the Iraqi soldiers had not only abandoned their posts, but they had laid down their uniforms. Not only had they, they left where they were supposed to stay and, and hold and fight and make sure that the enemy did not come in, no matter what it cost them, no matter what it was that came against them, they were to hold their own, hold their spot, hold their appointment, hold where they were, no matter what came their way. And, and many of them out of fear and many of them out of confusion, not only did they abandon their post, but they laid their uniform down. They totally gave up. They totally gave up defending what they had once made a commitment to defend and honor. And they had went back to what they were doing before they had been trained. I came to talk to somebody tonight. I didn't, I didn't even plan on this. This is flowing. Good. But I know that, that we're in a fight. And I know that God has put things in, over, in us and, and spoken things over us today. And I'm going to tell you, there's many people. I know that I've went through life and had mentors and people that have loved me, that have been close to me, that God has brought me away from or took me away from so that I could grow. But when I was out on my own and when God began to do something powerful and God began to do something strong in my life, that was no time to give up. Because surely when I stepped out of that protection or I felt like I stepped out of that protection, the enemy would launch the hardest. He would fight the hardest. He would work the hardest to, to get you to give up, to get you to lay down your uniform, to get you to lay down your cause, to get you to lay down your fight. But I came to tell you tonight, we're in a fight that's already been won. And all we need to do is stand, right? Well, we've been called to stand and appointed to stand. I want you tonight, if there's something that you're praying about in your life tonight, or, or maybe there's a battle that you're going through tonight, you can stand with me again really fast if we would. All through service this morning, that picture ran through my head. And I just got an opportunity tonight, and I still felt led to do that. We've come too far to quit. We've come too far to, to turn around, and surely the enemy is going to fight a good thing. Surely the enemy is going to fight a righteous thing, but we already know he's a defeated foe. We already know that the fight we're battling is, is not a, of this world, and the weapons that we fight with are not of this war. The warfare that we're in is not of this world, but tonight we wage war again. Tonight we stand up as a church. And we stand up as families and we stand up as men and women of God and we declare that we're not going back, that we're not quitting, that we're not laying down for nobody and nothing. This is the good gospel, the good news that God's given us and there is no way and nobody that's going to get me to turn around now. God's been too good to me. I want you, if you have a prayer request, just to lift your hand really, really fast all over the room tonight. We're praying right now. I believe that breakthroughs are here tonight. I believe that breakthroughs in our families are here tonight in God's presence. Awesome, miraculous things. Can we just lift our hands and just pray tonight and ask God to touch us? God, you see the, the requests that are all over the room tonight. And Father, I can sense in my spirit and I can know that the enemy wants to attack. He wants to attack in the most personal of ways, God. 
He wants to bring embarrassment, God. He wants to bring hurt and pain and anguish. But Father, we're not turning back now, God. We're not giving up on what you've called us to be. God, we're not giving up on what you called us to do, Father. Instead, we're standing in the gap, Lord, knowing, Lord Jesus, if we don't stand, no one else will, God. We don't leave it to chance. And Lord, I pray for every request and every family that's here, God. And every person that's here, God, that's hurting, every person that's here that's carrying something, God, we give those to you tonight and we ask you to move. And God, we ask you to heal bodies, God. And we ask you to heal relationships, God. And we ask you to heal hearts and minds, Lord. And Father, I pray that you take us, God, into the place where you are, Lord, the Holy of Holies, Lord, where we're never the same. I pray you touch us tonight, God. We ask you for these things, Lord. We ask you for these things, believing you, God. Believing you, the God of restoration, to restore everything that's been lost in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Clap to the Lord. Give him praise and honor. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to say this as our ushers come for the giving. Aren't you excited about what God is doing in your church? I'm going to tell you, I go home pastor and shake my head every Sunday <laughs> every Sunday at what God does amazing things I'm not one of those guys that likes to say in disingenuous things so I promise you I'm not just saying that because I'm up here I'm saying that because I believe that I want to tell you that eight kids this week were baptized in water at camp this past week can we give God praise for that They came to me on Wednesday and they said, we're getting baptized. We want to get baptized in water. I was crying. I'm tell you, I filled that pool myself with tears. Just proud of them. Many were restored. Many were baptized in the spirit. Many were called. We recalled. Uh, many just experienced the power of God this week. I'm tired as can be. Can you see it in my eyes? I'm still tired. Pray for me and pray for us this week as our junior high goes this week that they would get that and more, that the Lord would touch them. And remind them, I'm going to pray this, and I want to say this before I leave. This has been my prayer this last week at 14. At 14 at a camp meeting somewhere, the Holy Spirit began to move in the room when I was that young. And even though I didn't serve the Lord after that, I began to pray. I was always one of those that didn't want to come forward. I just was anxious about that. It made me anxious, so I crawled under the pew. I was balled up in basically a fetal position praying under a pew. And I just began to cry out, and the Holy Spirit began to touch me, and I was praying in another language that I didn't know. And I had a vision that night. And I'm not one of those weird guys that's always seeing things and weird visions and the French fries and the grilled cheese. I'm just not one of those. But I saw something that day, and, and what I believe that was, I'm still praying about that, but I believe that God was speaking to me about my life. I believe that God was putting a calling upon my life I want our 14-year-olds and our 13-year-olds, and I know that God does it in his time, and our 12-year-olds to go this week and have that experience. I want them to know the power of the Spirit of God. I don't want them to know a method. I don't want them to know, uh, you know, our ways or programs. I want them to know a risen Savior. Can we pray for that also as we pray over the offering? Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you tonight, God, as we give tonight, Lord, we know that we cannot outgive you. God, we, we give because you've given all, Lord Jesus. Father, it's our honor, it's our pleasure, God, to give back and to give what belongs to you. And Father, I pray if you prompt somebody tonight even, God, that they may give above and beyond, God, that you would, you, by your Holy Spirit, God, you would just touch their heart tonight. 
And Father, they'd be obedient to give. Father, we thank you for this harvest field. God, we thank you that the waters are, are, are arisen, God. They're high right now because it's harvest season here at Stratford Heights Church of God. And God, we pray that we might get in that flow. Father, we pray that we might experience and walk in that harvest for your glory, for your honor, to turn this city around for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's where I belong. 
Wow. Have you enjoyed this ministry and worship tonight by our Celebrate Recovery team? I'll tell you, we're blessed at Stratford Heights, aren't we? God has so many just anointed, wonderful musical groups and talents. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go in the church, you're blessed. We come in tonight and we're led into the presence of the Lord. That's what it's all about. You know, that's what makes the church special. I wish it was any of us. I wish it was our personalities and all that, but it's none of those things. I want to go somewhere where can find the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, to be where He is rich, and you can sense and know that He's real. You know, people will try to think about Him, or explain Him, or intellectually try to understand Him, and it just doesn't always work out. They'll debate, and they'll go back and forth, and how many of you know He can't really be found in the textbooks of philosophy? He can't be found in the doctors and all of the education and all of those things, as good as those things are, he's found in the heart that is broken. David, a man after his own heart, a heart that was broken and contrite. That's where, when the, when the woman walked into the house and she broke open that alabaster box, and spilled out that precious ointment there, that was an example that was something literal that was being taught to us as Christians down through the centuries and generations. Brokenness brings presence, brings a fragrance. And that's what makes the difference. When I come together in a house like this tonight, I come looking for the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me tonight? I'm so thankful that the love of God reaches, you know the old song, reaches to the lowest valley, climbs all the way to the highest hill. I'm glad that the power that is in the mercy and the love of God found me, found you. God doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care what you've done. His love, His blood, it can find you. It can find you. It can find you right where you are. Tonight, I, I wanted to preach about a prostitute going to preach about Rahab. Rahab. A marked lady. Lady unaccepted in general society, much less the church. Rahab. Immorality. Attitude. Shamefulness. And yet the Holy Spirit when he was looking all down through Jericho, when he was searching down through Jericho to try to find somebody he could use to free his children 
to touch his children, to help his children. When God searched through every man, every woman's house, and literally went all through Jericho, he stopped at Rahab's house. Say what you want to. Pull your collar up if you want to. Put your judgmental glasses on if you want to. But God stopped by Rahab's house. And God began to work on her. Began to expose his self, his love to her, and his mercy and his grace to her. She became pretty special in the family tree of God. Scriptures, I'm going to read several scriptures, but the one I want you to turn to is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. Then I'm going to read several other scriptures and I'll mark them down. If you want to just jot them down, you can do that. But I'm going to read you several different excerpts of where Rahab is mentioned in the Bible but I want you to remember Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30 and boy didn't the Lord move this morning I don't know when I have ever been in the presence of God any thicker any more powerful than I was this morning I have literally cried all afternoon thinking about how he used that service this morning the count when we walked out the door was 26 people came to Jesus this morning. That blows me away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we stop and we take a minute. I've been thanking you all day, but we as a congregation, but we don't take that for granted. We don't take that for granted. Lord, your mercy, your grace, your love. You find us and you touch our hearts. And Lord, you don't make us jump through hoops and you don't make us live up to anybody's particular uh, judgmental expectations. But God, you just go looking for the broken and the hurting, the bruised, the battered. And Lord, when you find them, you rescue them. We thank you that this morning you touched all of us Lord, I've been saved for a long time, but you touched me fresh and brand new this morning. I thank you for that, and I thank you for those souls. I know heaven is still shouting. Lord, we give you honor, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen with me? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were compassed about seven days. By faith, come on now, I find it particularly interesting that they put these two descriptions together. By faith, the harlot. Oh, some of you about fell back in your seat and started fanning yourself. By faith, the harlot Rahab. Perish not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now let's 
look at what the Bible says in James chapter 2 and 25. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot? Boy, her reputation just follows her around, don't it? Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1 through 7. You may not get into genealogy, but just humor me for a minute because I got blessed like crazy when I was reading this begat section. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Sarah, Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon and Nashon begat Salmon. Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abja and Abja begot Asa. And as you begin to look at that, it goes on until it gets to Joseph, who by Mary begat Jesus. Did you see Rahab's name right there in the middle of that bunch of folks? Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men. Akasia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman in all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had, so that they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Father, add your blessings to this word tonight, this important word tonight about our understanding of your grace and your mercy your love, your presence and power at work in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, genealogies can be pretty boring. And when you look at them sometimes, you know, I don't often just go to, go to study and 
the genealogies in the Bibles, all the begets and all that. Sometimes, that, I mean, that isn't where I'm going to go looking for inspiration usually. But when I, when I had a look at that, you know, I thought, you know, the New Testament begins with a genealogy. It begins trying to, wanting to set up for you and I exactly how Christ came to be through the heritage and the lineage. I don't know, it was back a few years ago. I mean, everybody was going nuts over their roots, their family backgrounds. I don't know how many of you have ever went on Ancestor.com and be honest. Several of you. All right, I did. You know what I found out? Y'all didn't know this about me. My great, 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 great times two grandpa, his name was John Townsend Phillips. He was a captain of a ship, and his job, he spent his years going back and forth from Great Britain over to America, bringing the folks to the new colonies. He did that, so it wasn't no big deal. He, uh, he could have been seen as a taxi cab driver in some respects. But that was my ancestor. I traced it all the way back. My family came in through uh, North Carolina, moved the way over into West Virginia, and then to Tennessee. And in Tennessee, my family stayed there until the, the terrible times in 1929. And then some of them moved all the way up to cross the river into Ohio. And there they kind of settled and tried to find jobs. And I've searched my history all the way back to North Carolina on the coast where they dropped off on the ship. And one of my ancestors was John, I like that name, John Townsend Phillips. I'm going to name one of my kids JT, see if I ever have one. But the New Testament opens up with a genealogy, a family tree of Jesus. And did you notice all those names? Now you know why I got blessed when I looked at them. It was unbelievable. When you really trace back and look, I mean, you had David the king, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who wrestled with God and was Israel, you know, prince. You've got Joseph, the great prime minister. You've got Solomon, who was the king and one of the wisest known men on the earth. Boaz, who was the kinsman redeemer, who was married to the beautiful and faithful Ruth, beloved and amazed and amazing she was. Then you see that Boaz's mother is Rahab. The harlot, the prostitute. I'm blown away by that. Hey, Rahab, are you kidding me? I mean, you've got kings, prime ministers. You've got important people all down through this lineage. I mean, so many people that were just celebrities, famous. And then right there in the middle, you've got Rahab. Part of the heritage of Jesus Christ, the grandmother of the Savior. When you look at that, you have to look at something else. The fact that I read, from, I read from several different scriptures, Old Testament to New. Did you notice that? It wasn't just an Old Testament kind of story. It wasn't something that just happened over there, and then when it got to the New Testament, they, they kind of forgot about it. But no, they literally, God thought it necessary, wanted to, there was an agenda with God. I, I believe that. He wanted to get something across to you and I about Rahab. He started in the Old Testament. And through the Old Testament, he kept dropping the story. And then you get over into the New Testament, and several places, he drops that story again and mentions Rahab. They're always talking about Rahab and what she was. Not that she had that title and that identity. Not that that was 
who she was now. It kind of talks about how, especially in the book of James, when it says, and she was justified. Justified. She was renewed. She was transformed and changed. But the reason that God goes all through his word, Old Testament to New Testament, to make sure that we understand what she was is because he wants to get it across to you and I. When he put her right smack dab in the family tree of the, of the Savior, of the Son of God, I mean, you would have thought God would be a little more uh, snobbish about where Jesus was going to come from. You might have thought he would have put a little more thought into that process. Well, I guarantee you he did. He did. The Lord wanted you and I to understand all these generations later that it doesn't matter how far sin has taken you or the devil has drop-kicked you into the evil and wickedness of this world, the blood of that Savior, Jesus Christ, it can raise you up and make you part of a family tree that belongs to heaven. The Bible mentions her over five different times, Old Testament to New Testament. I find that to be very interesting. She's also listed in one of my very favorite chapters in all of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. The hall of fame, of faith. This is the, the chapter. I mean, this is the one. I mean, any preacher in his right mind wants to preach from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith. More that, that'll get so many amens. Man, we could be here all night. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, you know, there's Enoch, my favorite one. And then right there in the middle of it, by faith, Rahab, the harlot. Amazing. Wonderful. Why did he choose her like that? Because God wanted us to absolutely know that the gospel message, the story of Jesus Christ is a story of grace and mercy. That is the story that you and I are trying to understand and we're trying to get a hold of. And I'm telling you, I've seen such a change. I'm going to tell you, I've been raised in the church. I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm old. And I've, I've been through it. I've seen the years and the years. And I've come through those times when there was judgmentalism. I've come in through those years where there was all kinds of, uh, of, of requirements and rules and policies and procedures. You couldn't sing in the choir. You couldn't be an usher. You couldn't do things because of what you were or what you are or what you're wearing or what you're, all these things. We've come through all those times. And I'm telling you, that doesn't, that does not reflect on the messages you've heard me preach when I talk about I believe in decency and being modest and I believe in being, being godly in our apparel and our example and in our lifestyle. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the ones who wore the real high buns but gossiped all over town and tore everybody else to pieces. I'm talking about the hypocrisy that was always there in the middle of all of that. I'm talking about the people that literally didn't understand the message. It took a long time for us to break it because I remember when somebody would walk in perhaps that didn't smell very good or perhaps they didn't have, come from the right background or the right side of the tracks. I remember what it was like when folks would move out of their seat and there was only certain places you could sit. I, re I went to a church one time. I'll never call you tell you what it was but I had on a leather jacket and I 
I was a young teenager looking for revivals anywhere I could go. I just wanted to find a revival. And I went down off Route 4 somewhere, and I dropped off at this church, and I had on a leather jacket. And who would have guessed in a million years somebody would walk up to me, Sister Margaret, and tell me that I needed to remove that jacket and take it to the lobby. And I was like, what's wrong with it? We don't wear leather in here. We don't do that in here. You've got to take that out and put it in the lobby. That was one of the only experiences I ever had because most of the guys, we always kind of got off easy. It was you women that had the hard, hard road. No makeup, no jewelry, don't cut your hair. I mean, you had it tough. But the message that Jesus was trying to get in, and the message that, thankfully, and, and praise God that, that our church in these last days has genuinely gotten a hold of, is the message that we let Jesus do the holy stuff. We let him create the holy heart. And we stop trying to do God's business and God's work in the church. We stop trying to label and identify people by where they've come from or who they are or who their mother is or their daddy. We, we literally have gotten away from that, and now we've come to the place where we understand the love of the Lord will reach down into the hardest places, the darkest places, and that power, the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we were pretty shocked when we found out that he can go into the worst parts of Middletown or downtown Cincinnati and he can find somewhere down in over the Rhine and, and the Lord can literally walk right down through there and transform someone who has been as black as a spade in the card deck and he can turn them white as driven snow. The Lord can transform and renew any mind, any heart. The message of Rahab stuck right in the middle of the family tree of Jesus is a message to all of us that the blood will never lose its power. And it'll always reach into the heart of the soul that needs him. And our only right answer to anyone, anyone, anywhere, is that we trust the power of God. You and I can't save them. We never could. But Jesus Christ can. He touches them and he gives them that wonderful, wonderful renewal and transformation in their minds, their hearts. Abraham wasn't always faithful. David wasn't always a man after God's own heart. Isaac wasn't always the special child of God. Jacob wasn't always the man that he's represented in the Word. These folks understood the mercy and the grace of God. Many churches today, many circles perhaps, wouldn't welcome someone like Rahab in their midst. But isn't it wonderful to see that God did? God did. And God gave her a very special place in his kingdom. She received an exchange. I preached out at the camp this last week on Monday night about exchange my heart, O oh God. You know that old song, change my heart, oh God, make it ever new. I changed that around because I don't really read anywhere in the Word where the Lord takes my heart, does open heart surgery, and fixes my heart. What I found that He did for me when I came to Him was, what a beautiful picture 
you painted for us, Cameron, of your experience with God. Curled up underneath that pew, I could see that little teenager curled up under there. and God going in and removing the things he needed to remove and replacing with what he had for him. When I became a Christian, I had been in and out and up and down as a teenager in church, but when I really gave my life, my heart to the Lord, he took my heart, he took it out and away from me. He didn't fix my heart, he replaced my heart. He exchanged. If you ever go to a store and you, you, you take in a broken product, the, the last thing you want them to do is knock on it a little bit, hit it a little bit, shake it up and put it back in a bag and send it home with you last thing you want is for it to just be, you know, band-aided or for it to just be taken care of a little bit and, and then return to you. What you want when you go, I've went in many times and I've said, I, I need to exchange this, please. Because this one doesn't work. It, this one is not right. Something ain't right with this one. And I've got that. Boy, when I got saved that night, I remember I was looking in right into the face of the Lord as good as I could. And I said, this whole thing, it ain't working right. I need an exchange, please. I need something to come in here and remove this out. I don't need open heart surgery. I, with all respect, I don't want to leave with the same old heart. I'll never make it. I'll never be victorious. I'll never live a conquering, overcoming life. Not with this old heart. Lord, I need you to change, exchange me into something brand new. And he promised, didn't he? He said, I'll take out in Ezekiel that old stony heart and I'll put in a fleshly heart, one that beats with him. I want that. I want that experience of being a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? A new creature in, the, in Christ. We know that Rahab played a vital and essential role. The children of Israel as they were coming to conquer Jericho. As I said, God went down looking for somebody with a tender heart. When he found that tender heart, he found Rahab the harlot. And it ministers to me and it touches my heart that God would not exclude someone like her if she was in a place where she was tender towards him. Don't ever count anybody out. Don't ever count anybody out. Don't ever refuse to love somebody or to accept someone. Don't ever write them off. Don't ever do that. If God looked down into her life, and you know by the time the spies had gotten there, you, you know how the Lord works. You know how he works with you and me right now in our lives. He, he works very hard to, to bring us all together into that perfect place. He wants a, there's a, a, a exchange position, a destiny that he puts together. He marks your words, your steps. He marks your life, and he begins to work on you. I don't know when he started working on Rahab. I have no idea. Here, I, I kind of get a picture of her hurrying, because if you, of her hearing about what had happened with the children of Israel as they were coming, you know? Because what she said to, to the spies right off the bat was to Joshua, she said, Man, we have heard what the Lord did. We have heard, and they're all scared. Everybody in the camp is scared to death. Everybody in the city is frightened and hiding in their houses because of what we've heard. She was the one who was strong enough and bold enough and courageous enough to say, Man, we have heard that the Lord dried up the river for you all to cross through and to get over on this side. We know that God is working for your people. What does that mean? She literally was being touched by the power of God before the spies ever got there. 
He was working on her before she ever got there. Had her in a place where she was being molded and shaped and mentored by the Holy Ghost. Trust and know that the Lord is working on his mission to seek and to save that which is lost. He's always working. You don't know where he's at. Be careful how you react to people. Be careful what you say to folks. They may not look like you think they ought to look. They may not act like you think they ought to act. But I've said it many times in this pulpit. Don't be surprised. Why are we always so shocked when lost people act like lost people? I don't understand that mentality. After some times... Remember, those people need salvation, and God is doing something in them, always speaking to them, always leading and guiding and bringing people into their lives. You don't know from one conversation to the next what kind of experience they're having on the other side of your meeting with them. You don't know what God's done. You don't know where he's brought. It it goes over and over and over. Every description of Rahab says Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot go to the harlot's house go to Rahab the harlot she was identified she was labeled she was in the sin at that time and there she was still though God knew she was coming along God knew he was working on her behalf oh your son your daughter don't give up on them your brother your sister your mother your father don't give up on them know and pray and believe and hang on and trust that God is working his plan in their life and he is going to perform a wonderful miracle for them I believe that the transformation is going to come we've got to hang on and understand what God is doing in the lives of his people she spoke beautiful words of faith if you look I want to take just a minute and read some of these some of the experiences that she had and that that we see for this lady of ill repute and how god was working in her life joshua chapter 2 and verse 8 says now before they lay down she came up to them on the roof and said to the men i know that the lord has given you the land amen that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan Sion and Og whom ye utterly destroyed as soon as we heard these things our hearts melted neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you for the Lord your God listen he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath don't you think for a minute heaven wasn't cheering heaven wasn't having a party a wonderful time listening to these do you see how eloquent and beautiful those words were she's being quoted as saying the Lord was working on her the old song the little kids used to sing he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be it took him just what is it a week to make the moon and the stars and the sun and the earth and the Jupiter and Mars, however that works. He's still working on me. 
I see a beautiful picture of a little woman. I don't know why she chose the lifestyle. I don't know why she chose the profession. It isn't that God saved her in it. Come on now. He didn't save her in it. But he sure worked on her. He sure sent his Holy Spirit to speak to her. He sure began convicting her and speaking to her life and exposing truth to her. And it's important as a church that we remember just how far the love of God will go. God's doing that all over Middletown right now. We've been having the last couple of weeks in services, we've been talking about how the power of the Lord has been working in us and that he's preparing us to be a city that, or a church that will reach our city. We'll go into our community, we'll intercede, and we'll, we'll call Middletown alive, and we'll be working. You know, since we've been doing that, I've been praying every day for Middletown. I've been praying for the businesses in Middletown. I've been praying for the people in Middletown. I've been praying for empty pews. I've been praying for those that have never visited our church. I've been praying for those that are out on the streets. I'll see people, and now I'm, every time I see a car pulled off of the side of the road, I kind of, I, it's weird. I've been like that. I'm, I'm one of the pastors not the pastor, but I'm one of the pastors in Middletown over this people. And so I, I saw them as my children, as my people, and I, I started praying for the cars. I prayed for a lady. She was standing out by the side of her car on the cell phone, and I prayed for her as, I, as if I was her pastor. I've been looking at Middletown like that. I've been looking at our community like that. I've been looking at people walking in and out of the stores. And when I go in places, I, I, I don't know what God is doing. It's something that I've never experienced before. It's something different. I, I love my people here. I've learned to, to intercede and pray for my flock and our, our, our church and, and the families. And I've done that. And I have a running list. And I cover those things. But God is calling me to intercede and to pray for people I don't even know. He's wanting me to pray for people walking on the street and people in the store and people in the business. And I'm, I'm finding this kind of work. Don't you know the Holy Spirit is all over Middletown right now? He's ordering in houses and in lands and people in their lives. He's touching them. They're right now, they're all drunk. They're sitting on the couch at their house and they've all opened up a six-pack and they're going to town talking about things, talking jokes they ought not to, to be talking about, buying things they ought not to buy. But guess what? The Holy Spirit loves them and he's literally working in their lives and speaking over them and drawing them by his love so that when God has finally got through our heart and our minds and he's ordered our steps and we get over there where we can talk to them a few minutes, they're already ready for us. They're waiting for the power of God to work through us. Oh, power of the Lord at work in us, bringing us to the place where we can be used by God like God wants to be used. In the lives of people, he wants us, he wants us to be his vessels. He wants us to be anointed to go into these places where he's already working. Everywhere you go, you need to see that the work of God the Holy Spirit is being done and accomplished. We know it was. There were encounters all throughout the Word. You remember one of my very favorites was in John chapter 4 where, where Jesus says we must needs go by Samaria. Oh, I love that story. I love it. I, I don't know. May, maybe I've got this heart for the, these women that were just so battered and broken. You see this woman going in the heat of the day 
12 noon when nobody else would be there. She, and it breaks my heart that she would feel like that was the best time for her to go. It breaks my heart when people feel inadequate and they feel unworthy. And they don't feel like you will sit by them or you'll talk to them. or They, they don't feel like they're welcome. You know, I've had people come to me and they'll say, well, I don't dress good enough to go to Stratford Heights. You know, I want to look at them, and I've said many times, listen, I don't care what you have to wear. You just come covered up, and we'll, we'll, we're fine. You just come and wear whatever you've got, and it'll be all right. People have this idea that you don't want to sit by them, or that you don't want to pray with them, or you don't want to be acknowledged with them, or you don't even want to go to church with them. I'm telling you, the devil spends a lot of time telling them that. I keep trying to tell them that y'all aren't like that, and I know you're not. I know you're good folks that love people and want there to be a difference in their lives, but I'm telling you, the enemy works hard to make people feel like they don't have a friend, like they don't have a connection, like they don't have anybody who cares about them. He works hard to make sure people feel inadequate. And this woman comes walking at the heat of day, and she gets up by that well, and she's not wanting anybody to see her. She don't want anybody to recognize her. She just gets up there, and she's getting ready to get her dipper and to get her water and get herself home, lock the blinds before before anybody else has had a chance to see her. And Jesus looks at her and says, give me a drink. Give me a drink. And you know the story. The Lord looks right into her heart. He was there on purpose. Destiny was meeting her heart. When Philip was met the Ethiopian on the side of the road, unbelievable. God set it up perfectly. For him to just testify to him. Unbelievable. And you see all through the word of God. Peter and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Just on purpose encounters. Places where Jesus or the disciples met with people on the sides of the road. In the middle of, of the market. In the synagogues or at the gate called beautiful. Wherever it was. Always meeting people on purpose. Somewhere, that lady heard the story of what was happening with God's people. And can I leave you with that? That it's important that we continue to tell what God is doing. We continue to tell what God is doing. As I was preparing and studying for this, I, I wanted to do something. I felt like I, need, I, I went on Facebook today. I don't, if you know me very well, you know I don't even like Facebook. You know, there's too much bleeding on there. And Sister Beulah, she, she's not here tonight. There she is, right there. She's, you know, she's one of those people that she just likes pictures, and she gives you an encouraging word. She told me today she enjoyed the sermon from this morning. And she's just, if, if everybody was like Sister Beulah, I'd love Facebook, you know. But, you know, it's, it's when people are on, you know, they get on there and, well, some people need to, and blah, blah, blah. If you ever, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, psh, It was just a drama fest. But I thought to myself, I'm preaching tonight, and I'm preaching about, you know, this, that Rahab heard what God was doing. And so I went on, on there, and, and I found me a little picture of, of a man with his hands up in the air praising God, and I posted it. Some of you might have seen it. And I put, oh, I love the presence of the Lord at the Stratford Church this morning as 26 people gave, came to Christ in that service. And I said, pumped. 
excited and put that down, and, and I sent it out. And when I did, I thought, Lord, somebody will say, whoa, the power of God's doing something. Boy, something's happening over there. Something's going on over there. Somebody's seeing God. Something, whoa, wonder what that service was about. I wanted to get the word out. And I want to challenge you, man, get the word out. What's God doing in your life? What's he doing in your heart? What's happening in your life as far as testimonies of God's goodness? And we got to share the good news and get it out to as many people as we possibly can. It's in people hearing that God is alive and well. It's in them hearing that he's a God of the right now in my situations. He's not a God just of the Red Sea. He's not a God of the, the old lives and the old things. You know, even Isaiah said, man, remember not the former things. Don't go back and look at the old paths and the old things. Yes, the God of the Red Sea. Yes, he is the God who delivered Egypt. Yes, or delivered Israel. Yes, he's the God who did all of these, all these many, many things. He said, but God is going to, don't you see it? Don't you feel it? God is going to do a new thing. It's going to spring up now. And that's the message for us. Yes, he's the God who did the former things, but he's the God who does things now. He's literally turning over your life now. And we've got to share those things and speak those things in life. Let that be something that ministers. to. I love, you've heard me tell Elaine's story over and over and over again. And you know what I'm always reminded? Every time we say that, more strength goes into her body. More strength goes into her testimony. More life goes into her own faith. Because the Bible says we are overcomers by the word of our testimony. We literally are strengthened every time we share. So I'll tell people, I'll say, you don't know where Elaine's been. You don't know where Bob has been. And you don't know where Gage has been. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know what it's like. When I was walking around their yard at Gage's graduation, couldn't believe it. When the thought came to me, and I forget who somebody said something about it. Maybe I got, I'll, I'll lay credit to it, but maybe you said it, or maybe you did. Somebody said something, or I thought it up, I don't know. That had God not gotten in the middle of that family, that entire cookout would have never happened you wouldn't even been the owners of that house we'd have went and knocked on the door and there wouldn't have been one of you three if you were left to yourself but God but God but God so it is our job to share to let people know what God is doing too many of them I've heard too many folks say, well, you know, God just don't, where are all the healings at today? I'm like, come to Stratford Heights. Come hear what's going on. Come see what's happening. Come on a Sunday morning when miraculously out of the middle of nowhere before we've even gotten to the preacher, we have got 21 people who've come to Jesus, accepted him as their Lord. How does that happen? Except a miracle of God's grace and God's mercy is falling in the house like a rain. Amen. When you begin to see those things and you know that's what's happening, you literally begin to faith rises up and you strength rises up in you. And that old discouraging devil and that distractor and that deceiver, he has to let go and you begin to rise up in power and begin to believe again that if he calls you, you can walk right across the water. You can get out of the boat you're in and walk to victory. When you have 
confidence in your God. But when you stay sold up, when you stay all discouraged, when you keep God little and in a box over here where you can control it all, man, you don't see nothing, you don't feel nothing, you don't want nothing, you don't want nobody talking to you, you don't even want to go see that preacher. You don't want nothing to do with it. That's when you've got your eyes on the things of this life. But if you'll ever gaze up into the heavens and see the trees and the mountains and the waters and know and understand he has commanded them with his voice and if he can do that he can take care of you hallelujah I said years ago I would never be one of them ha preachers I promised I would never be one of those guys never say never but you know what I've discovered and here's what I know Brad Get, I know what the, what the Bible talks about when it says it's like fire shut up in your bones. Maybe you don't have that experience. Maybe you haven't experienced that or, or had that relationship with him. Maybe it hasn't developed in you yet. Maybe you don't even want it. Maybe you don't even desire it. But I know this. Every time I get up and I've been close, I get up and I'm more on fire. And I get closer and I get more on fire. And when I begin to preach and I feel the Holy Ghost, I get excited about it. And then I want to walk and I want to talk. I want to run up an aisle. I don't know where it comes from. I promised myself I'd never do it. But here I am. You know why? Because I feel like I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. I can, I can jump and run and the power of the Lord will take me all the way through. I love the power of God. It's mighty. It'll do anything. It'll take any situation and turn it around. It can look dark as midnight in your life, but God is the light when the darkness tries to overshadow me. He is that love that takes our life and turns it upside down. So I get excited. Excuse me. I'm gonna close with this. After I get a drink. Y'all wear me out. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited? Doesn't it just thrill you? Joshua and the men there looked at her and said, Now, I promise you, because you have heard the word of the Lord, and you have accepted it. We're going to make sure you're protected, your family's protected. But here's what you got to do get you a red cord. Get you a red scarf, reddest one you can find. And out your window, you tie that thing and you let that hang out your window. And when the soldiers, the invading army, comes tearing through Jericho, and they come, they're, they're going to pass over your house. 
they're not going to touch anybody in your home when they see that red cord hanging out your window. To this day, I've got, if you come to my house, I've got a little red ribbon over my front door. It's, it's right there. It was at my house. I've had it on my house for 20 years. The same ribbon, too. I've had to retape it a million times. I put it up there in that red cord. It's because whenever the devil comes looking, lurking, I want him to see the blood. I want him to see the red cord. I want him to see this house is protected. I want him to see that my home is not free gratis for him. He can't just walk in my front door. Have you put a restraining order on him? Have you put him out? Have you made a, a declaration? Have you put the blood across the front door posts of your home? That day when she heard the word of the Lord, that little prostitute, when she heard the word of the Lord and she believed in the power of God, God reached down and in his love and in his mercy and in his grace, he literally lifted her up out of her lifestyle and turned her upside down and gave her that covering that we all love. Oh, come let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, covered, washed by the blood. That represented the blood that was to come. That represented the genealogy, get this, of her grandbaby, her grandson. Woo, that didn't touch you like it did me. Here she is tying that red cord. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Tying that old red cord, hanging it out her window, not even knowing my grandbaby is going to be the son of the living God. My grandbaby is going to be the deliverer of God's people. I'll deliver them today. I'll do this little deed right here. But oh, one coming after is going to have the blood, the red crimson blood that'll absolutely save all of God's people. Clear down into Stratford Heights on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night in 2014. Thank you, little Rahab. Thank you for hearing the word of the Lord. I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you've been. I don't know how bad it's been. I don't know how low you feel like you've went. I don't care how dark it's been. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus is good enough, strong enough, powerful enough to lift you up and raise you up in strength and give you a brand new testimony. It doesn't matter if the computer has got you. It doesn't matter if the alcohol has got you. It doesn't matter if the drugs have overtaken you. Bring it to Jesus. He is able. There's a red cord hanging out the window. Hallelujah. There's a red cord. There's a red cord. It's hanging out the window of glory right now and it's passing over and you and I stand with me tonight glory to God ah hallelujah oh glory thank you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus some of you you have lived 
so beneath. You have lived in the shadow. You've lived in weakness. You've lived quietly low on the the totem pole, so to speak. You've literally, you've lived in the, I, I keep seeing this shadow. You're hiding. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel adequate. You feel like that that you're carrying. Come on now, I'm going to speak to secret sins nobody knows about. Stuff that you and God only know about and the devil, of course, because he keeps you all wrapped up all the time trying to discourage you and distract you. Let me tell you something. God knows all about your secret sin. He knows all about it. And he wants you to look up right now and see a red cord hanging out the mercy window of heaven. He wants you to see it. He wants you to know it's all right. It doesn't matter where you've been. Husband, you may have committed adultery. Woman, you may have committed adultery. You may have hurt somebody. But I'm telling you, there's a red cord. God is able to cleanse and to wash and to forgive you and to start you over tonight, right here, right now. He's able to heal you. He's able to touch you. He's able to restore you. He's able to bring you into a place where you will be used in a mighty and powerful way. Be converted by the blood. Be transformed. Watch what God does with your life. Holy Spirit of God. He's working on someone in here tonight. Oh, Jesus. I want you to do me a favor. I want as many of you as will, if you have sensed the moving of the Spirit, the, the hunger and the desire of God. Use me. I'm not saying you're Rahab or anywhere close to it. But you're like me. You, you want Him to use you. And you want to remove every identity, every inadequacy, anything that would hold you back. You're like, God, I want it gone. And I'm coming forward to tell you that I count myself right there next to anyone that you would ever or have ever used in your word. Normal people. I want you to get out from where you are and meet me here in the altar. Would you come just as quick as you can? I want you to follow the leading of this brother right here. I want you to find you a spot somewhere and I want you to intercede and pray. I want you to find you a spot. You're in an altar. Take time tonight to talk to God about where you are and who you are and what he wants to do in you and through you. You're going to leave here tonight empowered. You're going to leave here tonight transformed and changed. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. You can use anyone, God, use me. You can touch me, Lord, just like you've touched anyone else ever in history. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Do something. Go ahead. Hallelujah, hallelujah.